The Tablet Show, episode 53, with guests Chris Sells, Brian Rinaldi, and John Flanders. Recorded live Friday, October 5th, 2012. From thetabletshow.com, it's The Tablet Show. Conversations about developing software for tablets and other mobile devices with your hosts Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. In this episode, Carl and Richard talk to Chris Sells, Brian Rinaldi, and John Flanders about the current state of mobile development. This episode of The Tablet Show is sponsored by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. Online at telerik.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Hey, Bulgaria! Welcome to the Tablet Show! Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> what? It's a circus. It's the Tablet Show Circus. It's a Bulgarian circus. It is a Bulgarian circus. Well, we're here uh, taking a break from the road trip. Yeah, this is our reach. week off. So to take a week off, we flew to the other side of the world. What don't a great know, idea. Don't Who know thought what of we're this? thinking, but yeah. we're here. Here we are. We're doing DevReach. Yeah, it's DevReach. Um, Telerik's great conference that they do here every year. Yeah. DevReach. <laughs> and we have a throng in a beautiful theater. I love this space. Yeah, I love it. It's great. And we're here with uh, three esteemed guests, and we're going to be talking mobile. So I'm going to let John start by introducing himself, and we'll go down the line. All right. I'm John Flanders. I'm also not from this part of the world, from Los Angeles, and I do uh, a lot of uh, mobile development. Been and doing it for a really, or doing web development for a really long time, and doing a lot of mobile stuff the last couple of years. Star cool. of Stage, Screen, and O'Reilly Books? I, I have written a couple of O'Reilly books, yeah. Yeah. Okay, Brian? I'm Brian Rinaldi. Um, I actually came here from Boston. And uh, I work for Adobe. I, I'm focused on their um, developer publication, the Adobe Developer Connection, but on HTML, JavaScript, CSS, and mobile. Topics. Awesome. Hi, my name is uh, Chris Sells, and uh, I work at Telerik. Um, I've been doing uh, Windows 8 development, which, of course, uh, targets the tablets, mm -hmm. as you know, uh, for the last couple of years. I'm probably one of the most experienced uh, Windows 8 developers there are, since GA doesn't happen for, for another three weeks, yeah. right? Here uh, you are with a couple of years' experience of a product that hasn't shipped yet. Yeah, I know. It's yep. amazing, isn't it? It's legacy by now, right, as far, <laughs> as, far as Microsoft is concerned. Um, yeah, and that's me. And nobody here is wearing a $200 shirt. Just say. Uh, no, absolutely not. No. You can tell by looking at this shirt, not $200. No. Nor fitted. No. So uh, when we're talking about mobile, we are talking about both phones and tablets. Do we want to just you know encompass that idea? Because if there are still both mobile devices, right? Well, well, actually, any computer is mobile if you have a big enough truck. Well, nice. Yeah, yeah. if you can carry it. Or sure. a backpack. Long enough power cord. <laughs> if you can hold the whole thing in your hand, how about that? I got really big hands. Okay. And it's just being difficult now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, 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 phones, tablets. I mean, if you look at uh, even you know on the iPhone, which of course is is where the the latest uh, wave of of mobile development um, started, and then moved over to the Android, and someday hopefully we'll move over to Windows Phone as well. Um, you know, they, they don't even call it writing for the iPhone or writing for the iPad anymore. It's iOS, right? Right. You you write your iOS app, and 
theoretically. And in fact, um, on the iPad, you can sort of run your iPhone apps. It doesn't really work. But so I got a, I got a nice specific meaty question to start us off. So we've been talking a lot about phone gap. Chris and I have anyway. And, uh, just sort of outside on the porch. And PhoneGap is a very exciting technology, and a lot of people are behind. I know you guys are too. And what I want to know is, where where are those situations where we just can't use it? You know, what are, where's the brick wall in PhoneGap? I just love to have Brian answer that question. As a representative of Adobe, when should we not use your product? Yeah. Um, <laughs> hold on. Um, can I call marketing and sure, my answer first? Yeah. Um, no. No marketing and no. Well, let me let me ask. A, um, well, I could ask a more specific question. If no. You like. uh, well, that one's fine. I mean, you know. So where where would the brick wall with PhoneGap? You know, I think there there. If you really need to eke every ounce of performance out of your app, then mm -hmm. generally speaking, like. PhoneGap isn't necessarily the perfect solution. Yeah. Um, like, for instance, games. Oftentimes, that PhoneGap probably isn't necessarily. I've seen games built with on PhoneGap, but it isn't always the best solution. Casual for a games. Game where, Casual yeah, games. Yeah, yeah. Where, where, where really every ounce of performance okay. um, matters and where input lags and things like that can actually cause uh, serious frustration. Because even though they're milliseconds, right? It's like. In a game that matters. In a game that really matters. Mm -hmm. um, so that would be kind of the case, but I think, you know, the, the cases would, where you would want to use it is because you, a, you know, you can target a bunch of platforms right off the bat. I mean, you're not having to say build one app right. for each platform. Um, so you're not having to maintain all these different code bases. Yep. Um, and, and I have seen apps that actually do a really good job of squeezing performance. Um, we often use the untapped app as an example of an app that really behaves like native. Um, and, and the performance is great. Uh, they've discussed how they've e managed to squeeze out performance. There's lots of little tricks yeah. and stuff mm -hmm. that they did, but you can actually get really good native-like performance out of, out of it. Um, it's just that requires a little extra okay. effort, right? So my specific question is about background running apps. Can, app, can PhoneGap apps run in the background? Are you talking about like TSRs, right? No, well, yeah, sort of the TSR idea, but maybe something that could hook an event, a system-wide event, and wake up on that. You know, like an accelerometer or something. Yeah, I don't think I don't that know. I don't think that PhoneGap will. The problem with that is that I mean, I'm especially thinking from an iOS perspective, is that um, I don't think you'd be able to run the the you wouldn't be able to run the code in the. Um, in the app HTML, itself. and you right. wouldn't be able to run JavaScript because you don't have the main thread. Right. Everything UI related has to happen on the main thread. And the plugin model for PhoneGap does that work in the shim, or does that work in the JavaScript HTML? That works in the shim, the plugin model. So you could you could do it in possibly a plugin. in a plugin. Yeah, I mean whatever limited background capabilities you have, which mm -hmm. are right. pretty limited. John, on you most devices. To, you're a, you tend to program natively on these different devices. I, I, I pick and choose. I've developed. Um, uh, HTML apps, um, or hybrid apps as they're called, what PhoneGap builds. Right. Um, mm -hmm. I've built, um, native in terms of building, um, iOS apps in Objective-C, Android apps, and Java. One thing to remember about iOS is that, um, you know, you're talking about performance and PhoneGap. There's actually three levels of, of deep of performance because you do HTML5 PhoneGap, and if you think you don't have enough performance, you can't eke it out, you could go to Objective-C. Um, but remember, Objective-C is another runtime on top of the rest of the runtime. Right. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people who really need to eke out performance go to C++. 
So yeah. the, you know the 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 games that really really need that performance actually go underneath Objective C. They don't use Objective C at all. Yeah, Interesting. They just use C plus plus. Okay. We're talking for run of the mill kind of business. You know, apps that you'd run in your business, PhoneGap's going to work just great. I think the majority of the time, yeah. Um, the the only issue that you run into is that you talk about the plug-in model. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I was doing a PhoneGap app, and I wanted to be able to have the camera come up in a certain way. Yeah. But that wasn't exposed with the PhoneGap API, because the PhoneGap API has to be generic enough to run on all those different devices. Sure. Yeah. So then the question is, oh, do I... Just throw in some native code, or do I build a plugin? Do I really want to build a plugin for a one-off? Mm-hmm. So you get to those edge conditions where, yeah, PhoneGap exposes some part of the hardware, mm-hmm. but it doesn't always support, um, expose all of it. For example, on um, it doesn't expose my photo library. So if I want to build an application that uh, plays a video or shows a photo mm-hmm. from the device's photo library, um, I can't build that with PhoneGap. Interesting. But you could build the other parts of it with PhoneGap and then write a plugin for each platform. Is that what you need to do? Exactly. Yeah. Which, you know, and it's better to write, I think it's better to write just a plugin than have to write a whole app for. Well, except, I mean, uh, sometimes you get to the point where, oh, oh, I need a plugin for this. Oh, I need a plugin for that. Oh, I need a plugin for this other thing. And suddenly you're writing all of this native code, but you're writing that native code in a way that isn't how you'd normally write it. You're writing it to, you know, patch, sure. um, you know, the underlying API that isn't, you know, available in your, yeah, would you write a, technology? would you write one plugin per app or would you write a reusable plugin that just is feature sort of, uh, oriented? So you actually are writing a lot of little plugins rather than one. Actually, I'm, I'm curious, what does Adobe say about that kind yeah. of edge condition? About about adding plugins? Yeah, I mean, do I write it once per app and do one big plugin that just does all of the stuff I need the app to do, or should I should I be writing the open the camera in a certain way kind of plugin and use it across apps? Or you know, I don't know that that I don't know. I'd have to to consult with the PhoneGap team as far as what they'd recommend. I don't think they have a specific like we have a stance on whether mm-hmm. whether you should do it. I mean, it's kind of what. What works best for your I, I, app? I think plugins are more for the community. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Like it's like a Facebook login plugin. Yeah, right. Right. There, and there so, are a lot of them already out there. That you yeah, can, and absolutely. So, so if it's something that small. you think like the community could reuse, then you put it sure. out there as a plugin. But if not, you can just write code inside of the proper uh, methods in the. I mean, when you build a PhoneGap app, if you build it, let's say, with Xcode, um, versus building it, let's say, with other products that just take your HTML. Um, you can actually write any native code. Hmm. So I can just write one function. Mm-hmm. I don't have to write a plug-in. Mm-hmm. I can just write a method that does the thing I want right. and hook it up to JavaScript. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I have to say, um, in my experience, right, the underneath, right, the the PhoneGap API that gets to the platform and, you know, PhoneGap does a really good job of, you know, implementing their API across all the all the platforms they support. But that's like the bottom part of your app. Mm-hmm. And the top part of your app is, you know, you can, you can write in a, in a, in a pretty specific way. You know, it's, it's Apple and, oh, because Android just cloned Apple, right? It's easy to flip some style bits and boom, now, you know, the, the toolbar's on the top. Hey, right. now it's Android, right? right? I mean, that's pretty easy to do. Yeah. But when it comes to, and there's a real, there's, I've had been in a lot of conversations lately where, 
where the real question is, well, how do, if I want to, I mean, the goal, of course, is I want to write that app once and, and deploy it mm-hmm. everywhere. And of yep. course I can do it for the tablets and the phones for iOS and Android, right? That's, that phone gap is great at that. Um, there are controls in the world that flip the bits and make it look native. That's great. But when you come across um, a user interface that is vastly different, that the, that the vendor decides to make uh, recommendations that are vastly different, and of course I'm ca- talking about the Metro-style UI mm-hmm. on Windows Phone and Windows 8, uh, suddenly, you know, even PhoneGap c- can, and I'm sure will, provide me the bottom layer. But the mm-hmm. top layer, how do I write that? Right? How do I get, how do I actually write my app in a way that works across all of these platforms? You may have to have another app there. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, right? And do you care? Do I care? Well, you care. I know you care. No, no. Oh, I no, I care because the the two percent of the people in the world that have a Windows yes, Phone. Yes, I understand. Ah, okay. I understand. Yes, let's take a pot shot at Microsoft. Absolutely, it's just right? Facts. No, uh, right now, totally doesn't matter. Right? There are no Windows Eight users. There are no Windows uh, Phone Eight users. Absolutely, hasn't been released yet. Mm-hmm. Right, and there are relatively few, very few Windows Phone Seven. Absolutely not a problem, and even less Windows Phone Seven because Windows Eight is coming. Absolutely, they yeah. they really did a good job there, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Yes, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Ouch. So, uh, but my question is, theoretically, if this were to happen, if say Microsoft was to ship three or four hundred million PCs running Windows Eight next year, which is their plan, their stated goal, mm-hmm. right? Is there a way to, that we can still keep that? you know, write the app once and deploy it. Well, yeah, I mean, as Carl said, maybe write another app, but I mean, on Windows 8, since I took a pot shot at Microsoft, let me give Microsoft big props for WinJS, right, for... That's your work, Mr. Shelton. You You had something to do with that. I mean, you don't need PhoneGap on uh, Windows 8. You do not need PhoneGap on Windows 8. To get to the APIs, because all the APIs are open to you. Hang on, but you, you do not need PhoneGap on Windows 8 if you're going to Right. If you do, all you want to do is write HTML and, and JavaScript and CSS and be a, a first class, you know, Windows 8 app. That's totally true, right? But if you want to have the goal of write the app once and just deploy it, which is what PhoneGap now allows with iOS and Android in a very reasonable way, that is the goal that I'm losing. But it's still, I mean, it's, just to be clear here, you still end up with separate compilations for each device. Absolutely, you, you do. As soon as we go down the uh, with phone right. gaps, I think we go down the plug-in path. There's these right, but he's more discussing. You're thinking look and feel type issues, right? Yeah, I'm, like, I'm definitely talking. You know, the metro stuff. I, I, right. it's hard to imagine writing an app that that looks great and native. Because that's the goal, right? Yeah. We, we want to use PhoneGap to write apps that you cannot tell from the native apps yeah. that run in the platform. It's hard to imagine writing that that would work equally well on Windows 8 and, you know, the iPad. So has anybody written a JavaScript library that does the Metro look and feel with tiles and all of that stuff? Uh, uh, I believe the answer... I don't even have to Google. The answer is yes. Yeah. Anything that can be, be written, written in JavaScript, JavaScript will, will be, written be written in JavaScript. In JavaScript. Absolutely, <laughs> that's the rule. And I, I can't. But coding not, horror. That's a quote from codinghorror.com. Yeah. It's not actually a JavaScript issue. It's more of a CSS issue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the question is, can I, can I abstract, build my CSS and HTML in such a way in PhoneGap that by switching out a CSS file, I can have a Metro style looking app? Yeah, that's an interesting wow, possibility. That is an interesting idea. Because the, because many of the navigation metaphors are different, they're, they're dramatically different style. Yeah, and in fact, Microsoft did that on purpose, right? right? They looked at the iPhone and said, okay, we see how the iPhone has done it, and they've been very successful. 
but we don't want to copy them, right? Mm-hmm. We want to be, we want to be, be even better. And we can argue whether they succeeded or not. Certainly the, you know, people with money have argued that they're not better. I happen to really like my Windows phone. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. What matters is they're very different. Mm-hmm. And that same UI metaphor now has made it into Windows 8. And Windows 8 has a much greater possibility of having hun- literally hundreds of millions of users. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. Just by the sheer number of people who buy PCs every year and Microsoft is going to ship Windows 8 on them. Mm-hmm. That's just how that's going to go. Mm-hmm. So be that being the case, is it is it reasonable for us to expect? I mean, obviously, PhoneGap alone is not enough, right? PhoneGap can absolutely provide the implementation of its API in Windows 8. Windows Phone 8, not a problem. Question is, can you do the top end? And uh, I don't know the answer. Yeah, well, I, I don't think it makes sense right now. Really, we're gonna have we're gonna have struggle with that to actually try things on. I mean, the only case where I would sacrifice that. Uh, UI experience is that I'm building an internal business app where it's expected to look the same on every device. And I think PhoneGap will probably deliver on that just fine. My viewpoint of using PhoneGap and using HTML and JavaScript CSS is a little bit different. Um, Chris is talking about the write once and run everywhere. To me, it's just skill reuse. So to me, the sure. advantage of sitting down to say, well, how am I going to build this app that I want to ship in the app stores or give out to my enterprise, mm-hmm. you know, do I have a bunch of developers who can write code in Objective-C and Java? Mm-hmm. Well, then maybe I just go native. But I likely, mm-hmm. most companies have people who can do HTML, JavaScript, and CSS. So I can take those skills and I can get those skills and reuse um, the skills that they already have to build my mobile sort of, you know, um, so you're actually my mobile strategy. You and I don't, I don't necessarily think, when I think about PhoneGap, I don't think about writing once and building for every platform and shipping. So you would actually use PhoneGap even though you're only building an iOS app? Sure, absolutely. Okay. And and you want that because you don't like Objective-C and you don't like the I interface love builder? I really? love yeah. interface builder. So I, okay, I want that because I don't like Objective-C, me specifically. <laughs> I do not. I love Objective-C and I love interface builder. Well, uh, that's interesting you say that. I, I have suddenly less respect for you. <laughs> <laughs> Been a little bit silent over there on this phone gap conversation, Brian. Oh yeah, I'm just enjoying the show. Okay, he's just watching this, well. watching the mud fly. He's <laughs> got a good perspective. Well, and I mean the other the other issue around this, and I think we should talk a little bit about Cordoba, just because I like yep. what's been going on there with being able to not own a Mac, like get away from some of these requirements for building iOS apps. That's that's not a not trivial thing. Right. I mean that's definitely true, especially. Obviously, there's some limitations, but you know, PhoneGap build now, you can just deploy, like, you can actually just push your code to the cloud and then have, have those builds made for you. So you don't even, you know, you don't need any particular, like, you don't need a Mac or anything to, right. to deploy to all these. Um, the limitations being some of these things like plugins and things like that mm. aren't yet supported, but this is a 1.0, so, you yeah, know, hopefully yeah. in the future, you'll see some of these things come out. Because the, the the implication of PhoneGap is that it was a temporary product. It was a stopgap. Right. That's yeah. And they they you know the team the PhoneGap team uh, still says that 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 is their goal. Like mm-hmm. they they would rather you never need to use this. They want you creating web apps that can actually access them. And some of that, I mean, that's improving. Right. On a regular basis, well, we there can, are more and more things we can access. It's just can, well, is for example, it the, the location and, services in right, your browser. Exactly, right. Yeah. Right. Out of the box, you can just you don't need the the. Uh, the GPS functionality from PhoneGap, you can just, it's just a part of the HTML standard and right. JavaScript. And, right. and so what you're saying is 
phone gap is just there until the vendors catch up and the standards catch up. And so we all have a way to access all of these resources. Right. That, that are that's common. what they always stated was their goal was this, this is a temporary solution. Whether, obviously, I think, you know, there were, may always be things that we need to, you know, have phone gap that, to access. Well, but hopefully they're less and less things, you know, you can build this as a web app and still access most of the things you need. Well, actually, that's, uh, that's funny because if you, if you look, oh God, I can't believe I'm going to say this. What? I don't mean this in any kind of negative way. Um, but you can think of phone gap as the new Silverlight. Nice. <laughs> and, and the reason I say that is because. I mean, the new old Silverlight? Or no, no, no. The new, new <laughs> Hang on. Let, let me tell you. Um, there, I think, and the it, I think I Adobe that, marketing is just buzzing me to yeah, yeah. get off this. Uh, <laughs> get off the Brian stage had a right job. Now. <laughs> he used to have a job. <laughs> so yeah. the reason I say that is because uh, Silverlight, like Flash, right? They're both the same kind of thing. Which mm -hmm. you know, single vendor, they could run ahead far faster sure. than the standards bodies could ever. Um, push on the browser vendors to expose this functionality, right. right? And so in that same way, phone gap is, you know, as the standard gets better and the functionality gets better in the core, right? Phone gap doesn't, will no longer have to do that, but there will always be other things, keep right? Keep running that, ahead. That'll keep running ahead yeah. in a good way. See, it's like Silverlight in a good way. Nice. Good okay. Way. Okay. I'll take that. <laughs> Although, I mean, the other thing is, is that sometimes, um, you know, the answer you you want an app because you want to be able to be found in the app store. You Absolutely. want to, you know, and so that that obviously that one of the difficulties with a web page is just you know yeah. findability. Um, well, so, also the pay aspect. People won't pay for a web app, but they will pay for yeah. something they have to install, even if it's just a wrapper over a browser. How, how ironic that um, installing sucks, right? Yeah. And just accessing the app yeah. directly is fabulous, and they'd rather pay for the thing that sucks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you, you bring up, you know, this whole wrapping a web thing. You gotta tell the story about the, the old days of VB with the web control. Cause this oh. is, this is, remember any VB programmers, we used to have this ActiveX or COM control that was the web browser. It was like a little view of IE and you could just drop this on a Windows form and navigate to any web browser and you got a browser basically in that's, your app. That's phone gap. That's yep. PhoneGap, right. So, yeah, that is. That's PhoneGap. And by exactly. the way, it's still there in XAML in Windows 8 applications sure. today. Absolutely. Still there. So, but you, it was a, we had a customer who hated IE. Not, and this is back when that wasn't a cool thing to be. <laughs> yeah, that's like, everyone now. They only right? wanted Netscape on right. their machine. And, uh, and they had, and it was, I don't know, a couple of thousand seats. So deployment was really a problem. This is early nineties. So, you know, this is back in the suffering days of that. And I, we suddenly had this brainstorm and built a VB app that we just embedded the, the uh, browser into, made a new icon so that it was safe, and they were astonished that we shipped four or five versions over the next couple of years and never had to roll anything out to the client. <laughs> they were just amazed. Right, because you were able to use the deployment capabilities, yeah. right? The whole app it's was just pulled down. It's all smoke It's all magic. Yeah. So it's all about how you frame your application. Then that it's all about how like you iframe your iP application. Hmm. Well, uh, that is, that still is another advantage to doing a hybrid mobile app, which yeah. is, you know, the the PhoneGap tools sort of gear you towards embedding all your HTML and CSS images in the binary. Right. But you don't have to. Right. You, you, you could or be you, fetching you, over the wire to you, get that stuff. You, yeah, I built apps like that. Or you can do a combination where the first few screens are all embedded, then all the rest of the um, information for the app, all the rest of the UI gets downloaded on demand, mm. and then you add that with things like the local storage and uh, offline um, app cache, mm. and you can even have an offline app, and then when it goes online, you can update yourself 
So you can roll out bug fixes on, I, I have actually rolled up bug fixes on apps I have in the app store without sending a new app to the app store just by changing the server. I mean, we've really blurred the line then between what is native and what is quote unquote hybrid. Because you really can almost be anything. And the only thing that we know for sure is that real native doesn't have any of this. But um, I, I've seen not a bunch of I don't know the, the, um, not in iOS 6, but before iOS 6, the, um, iOS app store app was a hybrid app. Right. So oh, really the, the UI, uh, it was HTML? Yeah. What? Wow. Cool. I Even they don't like Objective C and you do. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. This portion of the tablet show is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik. Hey, can you ever have too many free tools to complement your development skills? I didn't think so. So our friends at Telerik are giving you now more than 30 free products for application development, automated testing, agile project management, and content management. And we're talking free-free. Not a trial, not a demo, but free, complete products supported by a community of over 440,000 developers at Telerik Forums. From free ASP.NET AJAX, ASP.NET MVC, and Silverlight controls, to the free ORM solution and automated testing framework, to free agile management tools and content management systems, all of these and more are available to you for immediate download at Telerik.com slash free stuff. Most of the free products can be used for commercial purposes and give you access to supplemental support resources such as documentation and forms. Go to Telerik.com slash free stuff now and take full advantage of the available free of charge products. And don't forget to thank them for supporting the tablet show. I want to get back to this idea of, uh, you know, what's available to you at the plug-in level because, you know, I'm really interested in finding out those scenarios where the brick wall is. And so, you know, if I wanted to write something that you said, you know, uh, the JavaScript and all that stuff doesn't run on the main thread. So when a plugin gets activated, can that get act, does that have to be specifically activated by the user? Or is that something that can run at startup? Is that, uh. It's just, it's just built into the binary. Yeah. So basically it's What's a library. What's the entry point? Uh, mm, I forget in PhoneGap it's some, um, it, I think it's a, um, it's like, well, I don't know very much about the other platforms, but on, in uh, iOS and Interactive C, it's just like a uh, callback. Okay. It's like a you know, well-defined so you can, yeah. interface. All right, so you can set up a callback when the app runs, for example, get and hook that. So if 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 I'm running on the main thread right there, I'm I'm in the native platform, so I can do whatever I want. Absolutely. Yeah. So so you sort of do get the best of both worlds. You don't have to write your whole application in uh, you know in the native thing, but you right know, and plugin architecture you can. Just trying to figure out where, you know, where's the bonk point with, well, with plugins. Well, you know, like, um, I was just teaching a class a couple weeks ago at a, at a consumer, um, uh, like the freecreditreport.com people. Mm -hmm. And their app, their, one of their pages in their iOS app is the UI web view, which is the web browser control. Right. Uh. And it links to some settings page that they also have on their website. So it's just one, right? So they have like, you know, 20 screens in their app and one of them is HTML. Because ah. it just made sense. Why would they rebuild that when they already had it mm -hmm. on the web? And so they adjust their settings on the web so it's always just in one place and then they probably pull those settings back down from the from the web service behind it to make their client Yeah, so I mean, to. we say that the App Store is um, has HTML elements in it, but it's not fully hybrid, right? It just has some of the UI elements are driven by HTML. Mm -hmm. So when you say the lines are blurred, I think the lines are really blurred. Right. Because, you know, if you build, you could build something with PhoneGap and then decide, oh, um, this particular, you know, um, page, 
uh, or view doesn't have the performance I want. Mm-hmm. Well, if you wanted to, you could just go in and make it native, native. Yeah, too. Right. So I think, you know, to me, I think it, it is the best of both worlds and you can kind of pick and choose and go in however deep you want. And, you know, if you, if you're talking about what does PhoneGap really excel at? Is it really just the sort of the, the screens, the UI, the, the, the stuff, the tedious stuff that, uh, you know, that, that's diff- more difficult or, or... PhoneGap doesn't do any of that. Doesn't do any no. of that. What PhoneGap does is just makes it so you don't have to learn anything about Objective-C or Java or Xcode or Eclipse. Okay. Or, so you're, and, and so most you're, of the case, you don't even have to learn about the API of the native platform. So and you really, don't it's have really to. Right, you're just programming against yeah, the PhoneGap API, which right. then maps So you're really just truly the middle tier, right? You're, you're handling events from... You know, click events and text Correct. input and all that. You're doing the sending through the web services and getting your data. You're populating the screens. You're doing all the the real stuff of the app, but none of the yeah. It's just like you were writing like a uh, a web application, it's right? Just, that hosted like, on food. Just like com. your VB app, yeah. Of old. Yeah. Do you get to hmm. certain circumstances where you've got to do a if I'm iOS, do this. If I'm uh, Android, do that. Or is it capabilities more? Do a, can I do this? Can I do that? I've seen I've seen some like for instance uh, that example I used earlier about Untapped. He, he in an article he wrote for us actually talks about some cases where he did put some if iOS code in there. Right. A lot of that was actually UI related. So yeah. Um, so well, it wasn't I, I, necessarily like you know thinking back to Chris's like, whole complaint about if you're going to do this on phone seven or phone eight. You might want to have a, oh, I'm in phone eight, use these UI yeah. elements this way, but right. still trying to maintain a common there, code base. Yeah. I mean, so, so the, the capabilities you would, I, you would, t- you would test the capability, not, I don't think you would write like right. if, mm. right? you, you test. I don't know how you measure the capability you, of I'm in a phone eight. Oh, well, that's actually, uh, easy, right? I mean, you don't want to test the capabilities of, I mean, that's not a capability test. That's an OS check, right? right. Mm. The way you test the capability is simply, Hey, you know, ultimately I'm programming against a JavaScript API and mm-hmm. I've either got the implementation of my plugin that provides this functionality or I don't. Right. And it's super easy in JavaScript to say, if this function exists, right, Use call it. it. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't have that functionality and on I go. Right. Move on. Very super good. easy to mm-hmm. do. And it's funny too, because we've been talking about, um, you know, phone gap as a kind of a stop gap until the, the browser vendors who, you know, also provide the embedded you know, uh, browser that we, that we build our phone caps on. Right. Uh, our phone gap apps on, uh, we, until they add more and more capabilities and they're certainly doing that over time. But I think of it, um, based on, you know, what was John was saying in terms of asset and skill reuse. Uh, I wonder if phone cap isn't just there until all the, uh, platform vendors make HTML and JavaScript and CSS a first class citizen in the I want to build an app. Right? Uh, I mean, I love Windows 8. Yeah, Windows 8 did right. it. And of course, Mozilla has a project and WebOS does it. And more and more people are not, you know, reinventing the uh, yet another UI layer, yet another forms package, yet another animation layer, blah, blah, blah. They're just saying, well, people already know HTML and CSS and JavaScript. Why don't we just make that work? Right. right. And that is a fabulous answer. Yeah. Right. So you're saying you, you you expect Apple to take Microsoft's lead? Is it? I, I don't expect <laughs> Apple to take anyone's lead. I, I would hope so, although um, it may be a couple of years before the hardware catches up to be able to do that 
successfully because of course have it on a tablet it's much easier to have hardware that's good enough to do it all in in javascript and things like that um but i would say also it's interesting that microsoft didn't follow microsoft on that because that capability is not going to be in windows phone 8 which actually i would have liked that that's true windows phone 8 does not have that you're absolutely right sure is interesting would you think if phone gap gains enough traction and Apple starts seeing more PhoneGap applications uh, than native applications in their store, let's say, that that might provide some incentive for them to uh, to sort of own the space? Maybe, but, I mean, Apple suggests to people to build apps that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's Which not like a, they're telling people don't build apps that way. No, sure. They, Which is a, that, that is a change should. in policy, too, for a long... There was that whole debate when right. PhoneGap first showed up of this is against the... The, yep. the developers agreement for iPhone that they, you had to build everything with their tools their way. They banned it, then they went back. Yeah. I don't know if that was a phone gap issue as much as it was a mono touch issue. Or was it, yep. or that Unity 3D? It was, was mono. definitely mono. Yeah. Mono, mono was the one. Right. The thing with, the thing with, um, it was, with, it was a flash issue too. And a flash. It was a flash. The, oh, yeah, right. That was, that was around the same time we right. released the flash compiler that mm -hmm. would compile oh, it. Right. Oh, that was when they, that's when Apple, Flipped out. Yeah. So um, well, it was Steve Jobs who flipped out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's they, what I said. They, they ended up yeah. backtracking on that even. Yeah. You, you but know, and you it, can do it now. I'm right? always fascinated that Apple, for as much as we may harass them for their arrogance, does change gears. Just go with you know. I mean, I remember when Jobs said, "If you're going to build apps for the iPhone, you'll build them in Safari." Until yeah. Jailbreak came along and said, "Oh no, we're going to put our apps on your phone," and and that's where the App Store and Xcode and all that stuff actually came from. They were never going to intend to release that stuff. They put it out because the customer demanded it. The and customer how ironic it. that 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 App Store <laughs> was so flipping popular, billions, and and it is now it has changed the mobile landscape forever. Yeah. And in sure. fact, so much so that it's of it, it affected the desktop landscape, yep. right? Because with Windows, Windows 8, 8, it is an App Store, absolutely an App Store app. for laptops and desktops and tablets yep. alike. Yeah, a conversation I had with Mark Rasinovich around this where he's, he's focused on the security side of the App Store, saying this is about whitelisting apps, not install whatever you want. We'll try and figure out if it does harm. Mm. It's These are curated, and any app that's in that store is safe. Yeah, right? as opposed to the Internet, which is, you know... Yeah. Rather till relatively Run this install that, that wizard on Android? And cross yourself. <laughs> that's not true on Android, yeah. but it is true on, um, on uh, the newest version of OS X. Unless you turn off a setting, you can only install apps from the App Store. Oh, OS really? X. So wow. the, that is the wow. That is the model it for, uh, for Mac OS too. Well, and, and, I, and I bet everybody sitting here does tech support for their family. This is about quality of life for us guys. Yes. Like that's yeah. all it is. Yeah, yeah. We're now going. It's like I want to hand out ARM tablets to my family because they just can't mess them up. I get fewer calls. Right. It's like guess what the Christmas presents are this year. Except, now leave me alone. Oh, this right. is the gift that gives back to me. So I like that. That's awesome. Except when my stepmom, who is ninety-eight of my tech support calls, right? Whenever I call uh, to talk to my dad, I first have to talk to my mom's or stepmom, talk, work through all of her tech support issues, nice. and then I'm allowed to talk to my father, right? Yeah. Uh, who has all the same issues. He's just too proud to ask me about them, uh, which yeah. I prefer. That's a model I prefer. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I recommended to her that she get an iPad for that very reason, right? right? This is a year ago, right before the Windows uh, tablets were on their way. And I said, you know, get yourself an iPad. You know, I re reduce the support burden for me. She bought one. She called me up and she said, where do I put my DVDs? <laughs> 
Because she watches movies on it. Yeah, she does. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. She, she wanted to watch, and she had these old recordings that, I mean, it was almost, where do I put my VHS, right? Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> almost but it that. was, where do I put my DVDs? And I said, uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe a laptop is okay for you. Yeah. Yeah. That or you're going to be responsible for ripping all those DVDs. Oh, yeah, no, I, no, that's not yeah. going to happen, no. Nice. So let's focus on the other side of, uh, of mobile development, which is mobile web, HTML5. Well, uh, why don't we start with Kendo UI? I mean, we haven't talked about that in a while. It's been at least a week. <laughs> what would you like to hear about Kendo UI, Well, just tell us, tell us all what it is. So Kendo UI is a set of uh, JavaScript controls and a kind of an end-to-end app framework. The idea is, you know, when you're building apps with uh, not just websites, but apps with, with JavaScript and HTML and CSS, that there are a lot of, you know, you, you generally start with jQuery and then maybe you add some knockout or underscore or you, you bring in this library or that library and this extension and that extension. Maybe you pull in uh, jQuery uh, UI, right? Some of those controls, right? It's kind of a pick and choose and that's fine. Um, uh, but what happens is sometimes they don't work very well together or they have very different um, programming models and it's kind of hard to, to get, keep all that in your head. Mm-hmm. Right? So the idea of Kendo UI is start with jQuery. Everyone likes jQuery. And then build on top of that really? a set of, yes, 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 they do. Yes. You, again, but you like Objective C, right? You, do you know that 40 percent, 40% of the lines of code in J, the jQuery library are there just for, uh, IE6. IE6. I know that. Yes. I thank you. There, there's you slight performance like, issues with jQuery. The, the, it's not like I'm in favor of IE6 or ever was it on that. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> Friends don't let friends run ice. <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, the idea of Kendo UI is it's you know built on top of jQuery and then a set of these common services, globalization and localization and storage and data binding and these kinds of things that you would normally pull in um, onesie twosies and but they're all with a consistent model, right? They all work together, right? So if you kind of adopt this jQuery Kendo UI style, you can write your whole app that way. And that's the whole point. And then on top of that, we have a set of, a rich set of controls, which is, of course, one of the things that Telerik is, is well known for. So can you marry the two? Can you marry Kendo and, uh, and, uh, PhoneGap? Oh, absolutely. We, you can marry Kendo and, uh, and PhoneGap. And, and specifically the, uh, and, and in fact, probably Todd's in the audience now who's in charge of Kendo UI and he's watching my every answer to see if I get this right. <laughs> um, but the idea is uh, one of the beauty and wonders that is Kendo UI is there's a package called uh, uh, Kendo UI uh, Mobile. And the idea here is there is a set of controls that when you run um, either as a standalone app hosted in PhoneGap or on a website using these set of controls, if you're running on iOS, it looks, the controls all look like iOS. And if you're running on Android, the controls all look like Android. And in fact, you know, flipping the location of this menu or that toolbar to me uh, more in line with the style UI guidelines. And the goal, Todd's goal, and as far as I can tell, he's absolutely attained it, is can we build um, hybrid apps that look just like iOS when they're running on iOS. No different, you can't tell. And Android, look like Android, no different, you can't tell. And when I look at the stuff they built, I'm constantly amazed at how well they've made that work. Well, and and I'm calling back to a show we recorded with Todd Anglin that the recording itself failed. So we've never been able to publish a show. Someday we'll reshoot it. We will reshoot that show. But he talked about you have to get that exactly right or you fall into this uncanny valley. 
This just oh, like the, just right. like the robots yes, yes, when yes, robots yes. are not are too human but not quite human everybody's uncomfortable with it right it's like right, if right. you're gonna simulate iOS and you just get a few things wrong yeah, you're off by pixels but mere pixels and timing yeah. too I think that's yeah. the big one when yeah, we deal timing. with web apps is right. I'm used to it with a native app I hit the button the button bloody works or it, right? or it makes noise or tells something. you that you've pressed it or you've something. got to have that if you're really gonna do this it's, you know it's pretty easy to tell you're on a web app when stuff's unnaturally slow. Right. It's almost right, a right. giveaway every time. Right. And mobile devices, I think, still struggle with this. Yeah. On, on the other hand, you know, the things that I've seen, I, uh, I'm amazed how well it works. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's not perfect, but it's pretty damn close and they're always working to make it harder. So how does better. this work? Because we were talking about PhoneGap not being the UI side, that with PhoneGap, you're using your, your native designers for UI, but Kendo UI is, is UI. Yeah, the so Kendo UI is the, the top end that says, I can write, and, and it's the, uh, it's a library-like Kendo UI that allows you to say, okay, I'm going to write phone gaps, so all the system-level calls, I'll, I'll call, and it'll work on iOS or iPhone uh, or uh, Android just fine, and then I can write my UI once, so and, and it'll switch you're looks. You're truly saying that I do not need to use Xcode to make my right, and that's the goal. UI. Well, well except, I mean, again, clicks. Xcode still has its place when it's, you know, the kind of scenarios that, that John was talking about, right? There's um, OS specific functionality that you want access to that PhoneGap doesn't yeah. yet expose. Hi, what's your name? Where are you from? Uh, Apostol Apostol, I'm from Bulgaria. From Plovdiv. And what's your question? Uh, what's, uh, what's your opinion about MonoTouch and Android for, uh, Mono for Android? The Xamarin products. I can't yeah. believe we haven't brought those up. Yep. Gentlemen, the Xamarin products. So, uh, I, I've actually, uh, I'm a huge fan. Of uh, MonoTouch, I I have to say I experimented in college with iOS, <laughs> right? It was done inhale. tastefully. I needed the money, <laughs> right? And I did some Objective C programming, and I I wrote some apps, and then I took one of those apps, and uh, I'm you know a, a, a C sharp guy at heart, right? That that to me that's I've yet to find a language I like more than C sharp, um, and so. Uh, I moved it over to MonoTouch. And mostly that was an exercise in the interface builder worked better with MonoTouch than it did with Objective-C. Huh. And I threw away half my code. How, how long ago was this? Uh, this was, I want to say, three years. Three okay. years ago. So there's like four new versions of the interface builder since then. Yeah. And, uh, and, Just so you know. Okay. And so they're all better. Oh yeah, that's well, it's better than that. it used to be. Yeah, okay. And, and I think you really get back to this idea that Apple never intended the public developers to use those tools. And so they had to rev them very quickly to make them what they should have been. And now they're apparently pretty good. Not that I'm, a, I'm an Xcode programmer yeah, or interface I, builder, but the interface builder looks they're dramatically really better. Yeah. Um, on my, my view of MonoTouch, unfortunately, I have a very negative view of MonoTouch. Hmm. And that's because I put in my credit card information the day before Novell killed MonoTouch. So I put in my credit card information to buy MonoTouch right. and MonoDroid and to download it. And it was the day before... So they charged me, but I was never able to download the product. <laughs> really? So Xamarin, of course, has that, doesn't have that information because it was in Novell. Yeah, sure. So it's personal for you. Well, not only that, but when I'll you... I'll write you a check, John. How well, much, how much are we talking about? when you think about it, I mean, uh, the Xamarin guys certainly seem to be doing really well. Yeah. I'm not saying that they're going to go away. On the other hand, when you look at companies and the amount of um, stability that Apple has, Adobe has, Microsoft has, um, I'm not sure that I would want to bet on and picking a 
company like Xamarin. And I'm surprised you're saying Apple's that stable. Apple skipped out of just missed bankruptcy a few years ago. You know, mm. they may have a pile of money right now, but they've only got a product that's you, killing. So interface, interesting. Interface Builder creates uh, files that are called nib files. Nib. Do you know what nib stands for? No. Do you know what nib stands for? Uh, it, it's a, it's the new interface builder. No, file. next step. Oh, right. Next oh, step interface. Right. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they still so have that. Stability in terms of these tools have actually been around Incredibly for a really long time. Is what they are. <laughs> right. Core data, which is the and way we, that you can do. And we cannot hate the next because the very first web server in the whole world was a next. I have seen that very machine oh, yeah. is in a case in, at CERN. Yeah, and you know, but with the the interfaces they were able to build with like four colors still amazes me. I'm a huge <laughs> Next fan, absolutely. Finish your point about the core data. Well, core data is the part of iOS that you could use to do persistence, and um, and they've also been doing that for years. Yeah, I used to work at a consulting company um, with a, another friend of Chris's and I, Peter Clark. Peter where, Clark, hey, where they used to use web objects. Mm -hmm. Some people still use web objects. Web objects is an Objective C framework for building dynamic websites. Mm. And that would use a, a back end that would, you know, they had paging where you'd, you know, you'd, you'd get to the 10th object in your loop and then it would go get the next 10 from the oh, database. Nice. So they've had a lot of really good stuff for a long time. And, and I think you bring up a really powerful point, which is Objective-C was newly invented for the iPhone. This is a language no. that's been around for oh, a long no. time. Since the yeah, early 80s, it was like, sure. what, yeah. 81 or 82 or something? Yeah, mm. yeah and I've just liked it. Ever since, I mean, let's be clear. So this this is a hatred that goes well beyond phones. Yeah, and it's funny too. Uh, so uh, I say I'm a C sharp guy, and I am right. That's the 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 my favorite. Sure, I like pressing the dot and having a reliable list of things that I can do at that point. Right, IntelliSense. Uh, I've never been able to give it up, um, and I really enjoyed my MonoTouch experience. Um, and uh, Xcode has great IntelliSense, by the way. Oh, it's excellent. not called IntelliSense. <laughs> oh, excellent. Um, but I will, I will say that, uh, you know, as much as I love, um, C sharp and as much as I enjoyed my mono touch experience, mm -hmm. um, it seems like the world is going a different way. It mm -hmm. seems like the world has chosen JavaScript, JavaScript. And HTML and CSS. So, you know, when, uh, the other day I you was think talking we could fix the name. What? Yeah. JavaScript? Yeah. Well, uh, we, we, Java. Microsoft's, uh, fixed the name a couple of days ago. It's now called TypeScript. Uh, TypeScript. Okay. Now everything's better. <laughs> So for those who've never heard of TypeScript, do you, do you think you can give it justice? Absolutely. So the, the idea of TypeScript is this is um, uh, the invention of, of Anders Heils, Heilsberg, who mm. also is the inventor of C Sharp, so already I like it. Mm. Right? According to Lino, a great squash player. Mm. Oh, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know his uh, how much he liked vegetables of any kind. Yes. So there you go. Uh, but what he did was um, he took JavaScript and he extended it. So every... Um, JavaScript file ex that exists in the universe today is also legal TypeScript. Okay. And then what you can do is you can um, put in uh, optional annotations, right? So, for example, you can say, hey, this variable that I'm passing into this function um, is a string. And I would like you to, um, uh, Mr. Uh, compiler and Mr. Tools, if you could help me track down where I'm calling it in a way that is illegal. And so all of those... Uh, what what the compiler, the TypeScript compiler does, all it does is go through and check all those annotations and and then it layers in some extra features like the the proposed um, ECMAScript 6 class um, keyword and, and that construct. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it puts those in uh, the language and then the compiler just generates ECMAScript 5 um, code 
And then it gives you warnings that says, by the way, you're violating all of those annotations you put in, or you're, you, you know, you're using variables you haven't declared, or et cetera, et cetera. It still generates the JavaScript because JavaScript is dynamic and can do all kinds of things, even if, you know, statically it doesn't look right. Um, but what it does is it allows you, if you want to, like a C sharp programmer might want to, be much more specific about the interface between things and, and classes and modules and add these features that all have matching constructs um, in JavaScript that we know and love today, and it just layers those additional things on top. That was TypeScript a Microsoft-only technology? TypeScript was invented and released by Microsoft and maintained, and they make it work inside of uh, Visual Studio 2012, but it's they've released it as open source. They've released a command line compiler. They've made sure it works with Node.js. Uh-huh. Right? They are pushing it um, to be anywhere you can use JavaScript today, you can use type, type so now script. it's really up to the implementations in the browsers to the browsers to uh, oh no that's the beauty it. no browser needs to change no js does not need to change because it all compiles down to javascript that is already working everywhere in fact to d- i was able to write typescript did you say it compiles to javascript yes this is actually really it's surprising how many tools there are out there. I mean, CoffeeScript would be the big one, right? Hundreds. Yeah, there, are hundreds. But there, there are tons of compiled to JavaScript. To, yeah. yeah it, whatever language you want to code in, sure. there's probably a project out there to compile it to JavaScript. I was maintaining a list of them, and it's gotten huge. Um, it's, it's out crazy. of control. It's at, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. There's a new one, seems like, every day somebody sends me. Well, I still want to go back to the, the, the question around the Xamarin products, because... Clearly, Miguel Diacaza and, and crew love C Sharp. We do, and C Sharp's a, a phenomenal language. Don't you want to keep programming in it? Isn't this? Isn't there something better about C Sharp than there is about JavaScript? So there are lots of things from a language point of view that I much prefer in C Sharp over mm-hmm. JavaScript. On the other hand, I can sit down at my grandmother's computer and open up Notepad and write and deploy and debug JavaScript. Right, it's pure ubiquity yeah. is its number one strength. Mm-hmm. Right, C sharp as much as I love it cannot approach the ubiquity of HTML, JavaScript, and CSS. Yeah. That's what we used to say about Flash too. I guess, <laughs> and it used to be true. It used to be true about Flash. Absolutely. Wait, can I add in an edit point there? Uh, <laughs> I love that. We need to keep that. That's awesome. That's lovely. Guys, I think that's a show. That's a good show. Wow, that's a yeah. show. Wow. Yeah. Let's let's hear for our panel. Easy. Hey, we'll see you next time on the Tablet Show. Woohoo! <laughs>